0: Christmas, The time of year we celebrate the birth of Santa. Oh, I mean, Jesus. Oh, oops, sorry about that. Those two have so much in common, I'm afraid I often get them confused. I mean, we usually think of them as both having beards and being surrounded by happy little children scurrying about. They both have quite an uncommon last name that starts with C. And what's with all the nicknames? They both have a ton of nicknames like Father Christmas, Prince of Peace, Saint Nicholas, Emmanuel, and so on. Speaking of names, does anybody else find it odd that they both somehow know everyone's name? And not just that. I hear they both like to keep detailed records on all of us. But they both seem like pretty generous guys, which is probably why we flood both of them with wish lists and then desperately hope they come through for us. The more I think of it now, I guess there are a few important differences. For example, I don't think Jesus was known for wearing velvet, but Santa seems to be obsessed with it. Plus, no one has ever accused Jesus of breaking in through the chimney and eating all the cookies. In the end, I keep going back to Santa's naughty or nice distinction. If we're being totally honest, we'll probably find ourselves hoping Santa isn't too strict, or at least we hope he's grading on a curve. Jesus, on the other hand, came because none of us are nice enough. Of course, we keep trying to convince others and ourselves otherwise. Ultimately, Santa is about me and the stuff I so desperately want. But Jesus is about something more, the grace I so desperately need. Come to think of it, maybe they don't have that much in common after all.
1: Sorry for all you Santa lovers out there. (laughs) But you know that something about what you need and what what you want at Christmas, and we've been talking about the mystery of Jesus and how Jesus meets us at a different point, in a different place in our own Christmas journey. And I hope that as you've encountered Jesus in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, that you might have... Kind of have a glimpse into the into a bit of the mystery and the glory of of who Jesus is because that's what John wants you to see. He wants you to see there's something deep here. This is more than a, a manger scene and a cute baby and some sheep and and goats and whatever else is going around. That there's something much bigger happening here in the Christmas story. Uh, Max Acotter in his book God Came Near it tells about a guy named Bob Edens who at 51 years of age had a special complicated surgery on his eyes. And for the very first time in his life, was able to see. He'd lived for 51 years as a blind man, and they did the surgery, and suddenly he could see. And he, he talks about, you know, how, how for Bob, this was just outstanding, because he'd heard about yellow, he'd heard about green, he'd heard about red, but then he actually saw what was yellow, and what was red, and what was green. He's like, I never knew that yellow could be so yellow. And, and red, my favorite color, he says, red is so red. The things he touched now he could see. Grass, I I envisioned grass totally different than what now I could finally see it. His whole world changed. And John, writing this gospel, wants you to have that experience spiritually. That you would look at life one way, but then having encountered Jesus Christ, you would see it totally different. And that is the mystery of Jesus and the meaning of Christmas. That when you encounter Jesus Christ, it gives you a whole new perspective on how to view life, the world, and Christmas. And so as we come to God's word, I invite you to pray with me as we just prepare to learn from him this morning together. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to this world. Thank you for caring for us and loving us that much. This Christmas season, Lord, with all the busyness and complications and challenges that we face in many different areas in our lives. Just pray that we could renew our hearts and minds today with the truth about Jesus as we look at the Gospel of John. Guide us, Holy Spirit, in our discovery of your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In John 14, this was where I was last week. We're going to start there he gets to kind of the clinching point of, of this gospel. He's talked about how the Word became flesh, I made mean, is dwelling among us. He talked about how John testified about the light, and then he says, and by the way, the eternal Word, the self-existent God, became flesh, like you and me. He wants you to know that Jesus Christ became fully human, but never, ever, in any point of that process, ceased to become fully God. In the early centuries of the church, the 100, 200, 300, 400 A.D., there were many debates about the nature of Christ. But when you come back to the Gospel of John, the eyewitness of John, the firsthand account of the one who was very close to Jesus, he's like, let me tell you, he was flesh, fully human, God, fully God. The mystery of Jesus. And this word that became flesh took up residence or he, he pitched his tent among us. He literally lived in our world. He says, we beheld his glory. We saw his glory, the glory of the one and only full of grace and truth who comes from the Father. It's like we, we see, we saw in Jesus something that no one else possessed, fully human, fully God. He did the things as a human that only God could do, feeding the 5,000, walking on water, healing any sickness, raising people from the dead. There was nothing that Jesus couldn't do. He could speak and 20 miles away, a, a little boy got, became well. I mean, this is only things that God could do, Jesus did. We beheld his glory. And then he gets into verse 50. And he talks about John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist. There's two Johns, right? John the Apostle writes this gospel, and he's talking about John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, a little bit older than Jesus, an enigmatic, charismatic, prophetic figure. He was the last of the prophets, he proclaimed the coming Messiah, and then he got out of the way as Jesus showed up. Jesus rose, the son of righteousness rose, John faded away. And that's what John the Apostle is writing in his gospel was like. Yeah, John the Baptist was popular, was charismatic, and had his own following, but he does not compare to Jesus. Look what it says there. It says, John testified about him and shouted out, This one was the one about whom I said, he who comes after me is greater than I am because he existed before me. In case you were tempted in the first century reading the Gospel of John to think, well, I'm a follower of John the Baptist and he was an important figure and he preached this baptism repentance, blah, blah, blah. And there were men and women that did that. We see that in the book of Acts. People that were devoted followers of God that had accepted John's message but hadn't heard the full message. What happened after John? Jesus came after John. And and John the apostle writes to you and to me and says, yeah, you know, John was important, John the Baptist, but he himself testifies that Jesus is greater than he was because he existed before in the first century if whoever came first and was the oldest the the, the primacy and the, and the superiority but John says look even though I was born before Jesus he way predates me John the Baptist gives testimony to the mystery of Jesus no he he was here way before I was and then in John chapter 1 verse 16 we see this interesting For we have all received from his fullness one gracious gift after another. That the mystery of Jesus is that it's this gift that keeps on giving, it doesn't stop giving. It's unlike some of our gifts where you open it up and then it gets shoved in a drawer somewhere or on a, on a hanger and never gets worn until you're cleaning out your closet and it goes out to the thrift store or whatever. You know, like some of those gifts that we get, you know, that just, you know, uh, nice. You know, or, you, or you open it up and then you play with it for a while and then it gets broken or doesn't work and then you never use it again. And that's not, he's like, no, from his fullness we have all received one gracious gift after another. Literally grace upon grace. This flowing stream of grace. You see, gift-giving is an important part of Christmas. We we all like those stories. I've got one of these I'd like to share with you. I've got just files full of great stories of Christmas. This is another one of them. Maybe you might have heard this one, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. The true meaning of Christmas was revealed to me many years ago. That Christmas found me as a nearly single mother of a beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed daughter of three Trying to juggle rent, utilities, groceries, bills, and a child was putting a serious strain on finances. Many times I would skip meals so my child would have a full meal to eat. Every parent wishes to give their child the best they can, so it's no wonder that my heart was breaking when I had no choice but to pull her onto my lap and tell my little girl that there was no Santa. I explained to her while holding back my tears that I was Santa, and I could not afford to put any presents under the tree for her or feed her a real Christmas dinner. God truly blessed me with a daughter that is my earthbound angel. In the beautiful innocence of a child, she told me, it's okay, Mom. You can just wrap up some of my stuffed animals from my room and put them under the tree. I'll forget what's under there by Christmas. I was amazed and humbled by her response to our situation, so I told her to go get into my jewelry box and cosmetics and wrap up some of my, my things as a present for me. Christmas Day came. I managed to purchase cornbread mix and macaroni and cheese in a box for 25 cents per box. After we ate our dinner of macaroni and cheese and cornbread, we sang, Happy Birthday, Jesus. We spent the evening trying to outdo each other with every present we opened, with, It's just what I wanted, and expressions of surprise. Oh, look at this. (laughs) The laughter grew throughout the processes until our sides hurt. Later that night, after she had gone to sleep, I could reflect on the Christmas we shared. I cried for not being able to give her what I thought she deserved and spoiling the Santa fairy tale. But then it dawned on me what a great present God had given me, and I cried for joy. How often do you find the true meaning of Christmas? The pure and innocent spirit of a child reminded me that it isn't about the presents, but the sharing the love that Christ has for us that is Christmas. The following year was not better, much better financially. Preparing for another barren Christmas, my daughter and I went to the Christmas service at our church to worship the one whose birthday we celebrate. When we arrived home, From church and walked to the front door of our mobile home, I noticed a bag of trash on the front doorstep. Irritated that someone would be so cruel on the holidays, I went to throw the bag to the side, but as I reached for the bag, a label caught my eye. The label read my daughter's name. We looked at each other, curious. I helped her open the bag. Inside was a new dress, an easy-bake oven, and several coloring books and games. If you've ever wondered if the donations you make Give, make a difference. Let me assure you they do. Although I know Jesus is the reason for the season, those toys and clothes relieve the stress of a mother that cannot provide and the joy to a child that has come to expect nothing. You were Jesus to someone in need. Fifteen years have passed since that time. We've been blessed and have much more than we could ever have expected. We both remember it as one of the best Christmases we ever had. I pray that you have a Christmas to remember. I love stories like that. and I've got a bunch of them. I've shared some of them here. It warms your heart, right, to hear, you know, generosity. And you know what? New Life has been that type of a church this Christmas season, right? We started off and we got a bunch of Emmanuel's Child Stars, which are, are right now on transit to, to, to Russia, to Ukraine, are going to be distributed to kids across those areas on January 6th that you invested in. We also packed a bunch of boxes, and those boxes will be going to kids probably in Central America from Canada, and those kids are going to get a gift from you. We took up an offering, and, and there's 11 hampers plus a bunch of gift cards that we have available to give out that are going to bless families this Christmas because of your generosity. You know, there's something about Christmas and generosity and giving. But you notice, like, these stories always, always center around someone who's at a, who has a deep need. Like, I I don't have any stories of like, yeah, this wealthy oil field family, you know, went gathered around the tree and opened up gifts they didn't want and and threw them them away and had a great, you know, and had family dysfunction around the tree and people arguing and complaining. And, you know, you don't hear any of those stories. This rich family went to some warm tropical climate and gave each other things they didn't really need. I mean, you don't hear those stories. You hear stories of people in hard times and people coming along and loving and caring and supporting them. And that's what warms your heart. Even if you're not a believer or believe in God, you you like that and and it, it makes you feel good to see people being helped. But that desire and that connection comes from God. It's the very keynote of the gospel. God comes down and gives us what we need in Jesus Christ. One gracious gift after another. When you discover Jesus, it's Christmas year-round because you discover something that you didn't have before that, that fills your life in a way that nothing else can fill it. You see that? From his fullness, from everything Jesus is, we keep receiving one gracious gift after another. It just, it's just this continual flow of gifts and, and blessing that comes. When you discover Jesus Christ, without Jesus, Christmas doesn't have that same feel. It's like not being able to see things clearly. It's like black and white or even being blind. But John's like, you know, when you discover Jesus, it's one gracious gift after another. Then he says in verse 17, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came about through Jesus Christ. Some people in the first century would say, well, we're Jewish and and we have the full revelation of God in the Old Testament. And he's like, you understand, No, no, the law law introduced a very important concept, John says. Yeah, and and throughout the New Testament, we discover the law has a purpose. It shows us what a desperate world we live in. It reveals our sinfulness and and our inadequacy and able to to meet the need of our own sinfulness. But, But grace and truth comes about through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, none of the Old Testament really makes sense. It leaves you hanging. It just leaves you hoping that something better is coming. I hope something better coming because nothing we're doing seems to work. The whole Old Testament tells a story about people that have been estranged from God. Sin has entered the world. And, and with sin, because all the consequences of sin, it has affected everything in which we live. We forget about this sometimes. And our world doesn't really recognize this fact, right? So we think in the world, the the powers that be and the educated minds and, and all the, the social structures, that we can change things on our own. We can change the environment. We can change health. People can live forever and never get sick again and all, all this stuff. We think we can do that. But the Bible presents a totally different picture. The law reveals how, how sin has entered the world and it affects, it, it destroys relationships. It destroys Health, you know, we all die, you know, and this is a reality that you can't escape, but then Jesus comes into that and says, I'm bringing grace and truth into that situation. We are getting what we don't deserve in Jesus Christ, and it's only found in him. No other philosophy, teaching, religion can give what only Jesus offers. We're not all part of the same family and every path leads to the same place. That's not what the Bible teaches, unfortunately. There are good people on many different paths, but there is one path that leads to God, and that's Jesus Christ. That is the truth about Christmas. And if, if Christ is not part of your Christmas, you, there's something lacking. There's something missing. The songs just don't always sound off-key like I'm leading them or something. You know? like it, it doesn't sound right. There's something wrong. It's because you're missing Jesus. I have a little video here. Forgive me if any of you consider this irreverent, but I just a point to it. So let's watch this video. (laughs) b <laughs> point of that is this. There's a point to that. Are we just playing with Christmas? Is this just a story we just toy around with? Is it real to you? Or is it just like something set up in a store that you have fun with and throw in a little other stuff with it and just mix it all together and have a good old time? Or is there more to Jesus than Maybe you realized. Even maybe you've maybe you've made a decision to follow Jesus, but you're like, man, I, I really don't know him that well. I know he's my savior, but 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 John seems to want me to know more about Jesus than, than that. I know that my sins are paid for on the cross, but 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 is, is there more than that? And John and the other gospel writers will say, Yeah, there's a whole lot more. To Verse 18 of John chapter 1, it says, no one has ever seen God. I mean, this is true, right? In the Old Testament, to see God was like a death certificate. If you saw God, you would die. Moses, who was the, one of the closest people to, to see God, you know, he's like, I want to see your glory. And so God's like, okay, Moses, put your nose in the corner of the rock there. And, and through your peripheral vision, you're going to catch a little glimpse of my glory. That's the closest he gets. Isaiah's in the, in the temple and he, he sees the train of, of his robe and, and he's like, looking at God's toes, right, almost. And he's like, it just filled the temple with glory. And I was like, I'm done, I'm dead. No one has ever seen God. I mean, the, the first century reader, if you were from a Jewish background would say, absolutely, no one's seen God. He, he's invisible, he dwells in an light. But then John drops the bomb. The only one, the one and only, the one that we read about in John 1, 14, who says, you know, the, the one and only comes from the Father. The one and only one, himself, God, who was in closest fellowship with the Father, or literally is on the bosom of the Father, but he's, he's right next to God, has made God known. And with that, John ends the prologue and prepares you for the rest of the gospel. Here's Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm setting him up. I'm, I'm, I want you to just see him and understand how I know him. John himself, who who was so close to Jesus, like, I never realized that I could see God until I had Jesus right in front of me. And you wonder, all the stuff we live through in our world, all the pain, all the hardship, the sickness, the difficulties, the injustices, all that stuff. And you're wondering, where is God when all this stuff is happening? The natural disasters, the you know, children being abandoned and all this. Where is God? God is shoving his own son directly into the middle of that mess at Christmas. It's like, yeah, I'm putting Jesus right there. You want to know where I am? I'm right standing in front of you. I'm smelling the same stink that you're smelling. I'm walking in the same garbage you're walking in. I'm feeling the same heat and cold that you're feeling. I get it. I see the rejection that people bring into life and the difficulties and the racial breakdown. I see that all around me. And God says, I am identifying with you in your situation. So much so that Jesus is willing even to go to the cross and, and to take the, the, the penalty for our sin upon himself. And to rise again so that we can have new life. He's like, You want to see God? You wanna where God is? He's standing right in front of you. Jesus Christ coming from the, the intimate throne room of heaven right into our world. He's like, yeah, he, he was in close proximity to the Father, still is connected with the Father, but now he enters our world and says, I'm here to help you to come back to our, to our place, to come home with us, to be part of our family. I don't know if you've ever picked anyone up into your family at Christmas time. Maybe some you should consider trying. Right? My mom and dad always used to find people that, or straggling around town, or didn't have family, or whatever the case may be. Sometimes they were colorful personalities. and they would, they would show up at our table at Christmas Eve, or Christmas Day, or throughout the holiday season. I mean, John says this, right? In verse 12, Pastor Frank preached about it. But to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he's given the right to become God's children. I mean, Christmas is about family, right? And you watch the movies, right? What, what, what are the themes, right? The themes are generosity, giving to people in need, lonely people, finding homes, and families. That, that That's a common theme throughout throughout Christmas movies, right? Single, professional woman meets, you know, you know blue-collar guy and get married and have children, live happily ever after. You know, whatever the case may be, right? Scrooge, with, with, with a cold, hard heart, discovers love and, and God's grace and, you know, loves Bob Cratchit's family, adopts the tiny Tim as his own little son kind of thing. You know, this is the nature of Christmas movies, right? Family, connection, and John wants you to see. Where does this longing come from? It comes right from the gospel. We are isolated, lonely people who need family. And that spiritual need is only met by God's family. I mean, you, let's, let's admit it, right? All of our families let us down at some level, right? Like, they don't fill all of our, our buckets up full because they can't. Only God can do that. If you're looking for your wife or your kids or your grandkids or your grandpa or whoever it is to, to fill up only what God can fill up, you'll always end, leave just feeling like you didn't quite get full. And John's like, Jesus brings you something more. The one who is in closest fellowship with the Father He has revealed God to us. Come and experience him and God's grace and his truth. Walk with him. Discover him and share him. So here's here's, here's the application, right? If you don't know Jesus Christ, believe in him today. Secondly, be a channel, a conduit of God's grace. He pours his grace and love into our lives, so we can pour it out into the lives of others. That's why we love stories like this, right, where someone in need gets helped. Because that's all of our stories when it comes to the gospel. We needed what only God could provide, and when we discovered Jesus, we're so helped, and now we want to help others. Be a channel, not a reservoir. God doesn't just pour into your life so he can just fill you, you know, overflow the banks. This is not, you know, this is not B.C. and the Fraser River. This is us flowing. What comes in? Goes out, and as you participate in God's gracious activity, ooh, the blessing that comes from that. And you've already done that, many of you. You bought a star. You packed a box. You gave last week. You you're helping out in things that aren't even un, are unofficial. You know, you're just doing those things. December twenty third is not an opportunity to do something here. It's an opportunity for you to do something where you are. And I pray that God would open a door for you to to bless someone and to be a channel of His grace as you. Experience the grace of God in Jesus Christ this Christmas. Don't be playing with Jesus. Make it real. Experience it in your own heart and then share it with others. I'm going to invite the team up. We're going to close with a a song here. We have just a short video, but uh, I want you just to prayerfully just think about, you know, what, what can God do in your life this Christmas as you minister to others in his name? Now, Lord, may... Christ really fill our celebrations this Christmas. May every home here be blessed as they declare Jesus Christ is Lord. And may your grace flow in and through us as we minister and share your love with those around us. Now may we go in your blessing. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, God bless you. Have a good week.